there we go hello everyone thank you all for joining us so we are now on our 16th episode of a girl like me live so excited to be here um this episode will be discussing serial different or serial discordant couples um a really great conversation to have i can't imagine having this conversation with a better couple than lynette and daniel here just want to um Throw this out here at the beginning. We'll be using the term serial discordant and serial um, different throughout the episode. Just because serial discordant is a that's the way that we've been referring to, you know, mixed status couples where one person is living with HIV and one person is not. But as we continue to evolve with language and everything, serial different is a term that we are coming to accept and use widely. So uh I'm so excited to be here. And I just want Lynette and Daniel, go ahead and introduce yourself, any affiliations, and why we're here today. Okay, so I'll go first. I'm Lynette Trowick, and um, I am born and raised in Philly, but currently uh, living in Maryland, Baltimore County, so specifically Reister's County, somewhere I never heard of, but um, we're here. And um, we are uh, parents, you know, we're, we're married. We got a whole bunch of stuff that I'm sure we're going to get into a little later. But um, as far as different affiliations, I am a blogger with The Well Project. Um, I am also a trainer with MEC. And I also am the founder and executive director over IMU Inc., which is a nonprofit that serves women living with HIV. And hello, everyone. My name is Daniel Trowick. I am her husband. So let's get that, that out the way, right? Um, as she said, I, I'm, I'm a parent. Uh, I'm a minister. And I, I take my, my calling, you know, very seriously. And I, I try to live a certain type of life. Um, I am the founder and executive director of the HOMI Foundation. HOMI is an acronym standing for helping others make it every day. And we were founded in Philadelphia. And because we live in Maryland now, I'm trying to figure out how to maneuver that still in Philadelphia. But our, our goal is to clean the streets in the literal sense and the, uh, the other way, you know, literally going out and doing community cleanups and the, the figurative aspect where we, you know, educate the community on different things to get the, the bad stuff off the streets, basically. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Okay, so we're here to talk about serial different couples. Um, what is a serial different couple? Like, and I know I already gave a brief description, but what is that, and how do y'all fit into that? Um, that's us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said earlier, one one person in the in the couple uh, living with HIV, and the other one um, that's not. Um, you know, but to even look at it a little deeper. You know, it's not obviously it's not just that simple, you know, or that surface. So it's a lot more to it. You know, it's like a serial different couple. It's not just one person in that relationship that's living with HIV. You know, it's, it's both of us living with HIV in a sense. You know, one may have been diagnosed, but both of us have to live with it. You know, both of us still we both have to get tested in labs and all of these different things in order to make sure that we're both healthy at the same time. We both are responsible for whatever medication and things like that. So a serial different uh, relationship is, is much deeper than just that general um, HIV diagnosis. Thank you for that. So um, I think this is a very important topic. I'm seeing it in our comments. I, I want to know because it can be heavy, you know, I like how you said that, you know, both of y'all are living with it in a sense. The stigma that comes around it. Um, Daniel, I'm going to pose that question to you first. So it comes with like this presumed stigma. So meaning like, Daniel, you have to be living with HIV too if you are in a relationship with Lynette. You know, that's what many people will just go ahead and assume. Mm -hmm. How do you handle it? And how do you deal with the fact that her stigma is now yours that question comes from michelle a great one yes very good question and as you said it's an assumed stigma that comes with the territory 
And I would say because of a combination of both my personality and my faith, it, it never has affected me, impacted me in any kind of way. Um, so I'm, I've always been a, a rebel and I go against the grain with everything. She's shaking her head real hard. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, me worrying about what other people thought or said or felt, I, I really didn't care much about it, honestly, because I know I'm living my life the right way. And what other people are doing and what other people say about me, what other people feel about me is completely irrelevant to my life and what I'm doing in my life. And, you know, going back, you know, we've been together for a few years now, right? Wow. Just a few. A few. But going back, you know, that was uh, before a time when the, the terminology of you equals you was a thing where undetectable equal untransmittable was a thing. My faith always was held strong that no matter what, I know that as long as she does what she's supposed to do, as far as taking her medication, going to get her labs and, and making sure she was good, that I was never going to contract the virus. And I've always held strong to that belief. And what other people said, yeah, that's, that's, that's my mentality. See, and that's crazy because like, I was the one who dealt with the stigma of on him. Even if I didn't see anything happening, I didn't hear anything happening, I was always worried about somebody treating Daniel some kind of way because of my positive HIV status. So, you know, that was always my, and actually there's been more than a few times because we, you know, obviously pre-pandemic, we used to do a lot of speaking engagements together. There's been more than a few times where after, afterward, we, you know, Daniel will wait till we leave out of the building and we drive away. He's like, let me tell you what this girl said to me. This girl asked me for my number. This girl said, you know, why would you be with her? And she got HIV, like trying to come at him because even though they saw me standing in the front saying I'm his wife, but because I'm living with HIV, I'm not good enough to be with somebody who's HIV negative. You know, so I don't, him, he's just like, you know, I ain't care, it ain't bothering me, but it bothered me. You know, I didn't want anybody treating Daniel any kind of way. Me, it's like, whatever, I can deal with it. I had gotten over my own internalized stigma, but Daniel, that was always, that's always a touchy subject anyway in relationships, you know, how, how do I disclose and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is a whole situation. I know I've been in a position before where I'm open with my status, you know, I'm ready to go save the world from HIV. And the person that I was with at the time was not comfortable because of that perceived stigma, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking even though we both knew that he was negative his worry of how he would be perceived by the world kind of it inhibited some things when it came to, um, you know, my advocacy and my sh- storytelling and everything. So it is really great to see a couple where one person is not living with HIV, Daniel, you know, be so supportive of his wife who is living with HIV. That's so decent. So thank you for being so, you know, dusting your shoulders off the <laughs> and I think that is what made it hard when I finally got into this relationship with Daniel because of previous relationships you know I it wasn't like I was diagnosed and I was with Daniel at the same time I went through other relationships so that that scarred me you know like he probably gonna leave because these people keep saying stuff to him about HIV because that was my previous experience so yeah definitely I can definitely um you know feel that I want yeah. to talk about the you equals you, um, Daniel. You sound like you know a little something. What you said is undetectable equals untransmittable? Yes, yes. So basically that is something that came about, I feel like about five years, six years, somewhere in that time frame. Yeah, where, you know, they, they basically said, I, I don't think that the company actually made it a real thing as far as just a a movement that went on with understanding, you know, blood work and everything. So basically how it goes is if you are, when when you get your blood work, someone who's living with HIV and it reads as undetectable, there's a 0% chance that the virus can be transmitted sexually. So yeah, we ain't had no issues in all of these years. (laughs) And I'm I'm a still I'm a whole firm to that, you know. So even before that was a thing, like I said, it, it never crossed my mind. And it crossed her mind. And 
And I can tell you early in the relationship, um, going to doctor's appointments, when she would go get her lab work done, I would go with, with her and, and I would get tested as well. And just seeing her sweat and the nerves that she, I'm like, oh, I can't do this. Lynette, what's that like sending someone in for an HIV test? Horrible, okay? Horrible, especially like because of my my stigma, it, you know, my, and I don't know, I guess that would kind of be stigma. Like I didn't really have stigma as far as like somebody living with HIV, but it was like, all right, I finally come to terms with my own stuff, but I can't deal with him getting it because then I'm going to feel guilt. I'm going to feel all of this stuff. So anytime he had a cold, like it was ridiculous. <laughs> he had strep throat one time, though. He had strep throat so bad. It was like the worst case of strep throat I've ever seen in my life. I was like, oh, this is it. This is definitely it. He has it. I didn't gave it to him. That's it. That We both just going to die because, <laughs> you know, it's it's horrible. Um, But he still go now, but but he changed that so he doesn't go on the same day that I go. He still goes and supports me and my appointments. He won't get tested at those appointments because, like, I, I, I freak out. So he goes and he just gets tested on his own, and he'll come back home and be like, oh, I got tested today. I'm still negative. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was horrible. It was horrible. She, she'd be freaking out. Yeah, I get it. I've been <laughs> the same way. Like, you automatically think. I've, I've told this story before of someone that I was dealing with. They was donating plasma. And, you know, at Plasma, they test you very thoroughly before you're able to donate. So this one time he went to go donate and he was turned away. And I knew immediately that it was because his HIV had came back positive. I beat myself up. <laughs> and come, it was like something related to his blood pressure or something. Totally not HIV related. But that is the first space that my mom went to because... I'm like there had to be a one day this has to happen. I I just thought, but I think we knew you equals you before they said you equals you. I know. Remember before you equals you was like there's a very very low chance. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh here we go. I'm gonna be the point zero zero one. There it is. Yep. <laughs> yep. I kind of felt that way. Like HIV has done it for me totally. So HIV showed me that anything can happen to anyone, no matter who you are, it can happen. So those point something percent <laughs> mean a whole lot to me because I felt like I don't like that. <laughs> have they ever talked to y'all about prep? Like, what is prep, dude? And who brings that conversation up? Yeah, so <laughs> before, I remember pre-U equals you, it was really, really a thing. Um, they were definitely, so prep is pre-exposure prophylaxis, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, it's a pill that a person who is HIV negative would take in order to prevent HIV uh, contraction. So in order to prevent a diagnosis. So they used to talk to us about that all of the time, um, you know, trying to get Daniel to um, start prep. They used to try to get us to start using condoms. Remember, <laughs> every appointment. <laughs> so are you guys using condoms? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, you know, you should be. And it's like, who really wants to be married <laughs> forever and ever and ever? Amen. And <laughs> they have to deal with uh, condoms every time, you know, but um yeah, that was definitely a situation. You want to talk a little bit about prep, your perspective? Oh, no, yeah. In the midst of that, you know, talking about that, especially the condoms part, when we discussed with with uh, her doctor that we wanted to have a child, they were still saying, like, no, I don't think that's how it works. But, I mean, it, it was just a whole bunch. And, and, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of pressure every conversation like so you sure uh like she wasn't in the room you know you sure you don't want to um get on prep i'm like no i'm good wow. you didn't ever tell me that they talk talk to you about it when i left <laughs> let me call let me call that old doctor <laughs> <laughs> every time Ray, see you when i left off <laughs> they were just trying to make sure i was safe <laughs> Yeah, that, it did feel like that, though, to hear that word pressure, because I've been in that 
situation as well, sitting in the office and my legs come back, you know, that I'm still undetectable. And I just remember all the time having to say that there was a 2% chance that I could transmit the virus to somebody. And, you know, not being in like a committed relationship or anything, you know, going to meet new sexual partners, that doesn't feel good to have to tell somebody 2% transmission because, I know 2% in that instance can sound like that other 98%. So (laughs) going into those appointments with, you know, a partner at one point, part was heavily pushed. Like, and if you decline, you know, right then, then it found its way into the conversation at another point. But I'm so grateful for the whole concept in the campaign of you equals you. Mm -hmm. It's been life changing. Isn't it? Oh, it's Oh, it's so wonderful. So thank y'all once again for your lived experience because I know that that will help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So not you don't have to use condoms if you don't want to. Like these are choices yeah. that, you know, are made between the informed adults in yeah. the relationship. Yeah. And we've been married eight years, so, you know, <laughs> we good. Eight years in. And at least one child, you and know. At least, you know, at least. <laughs> Maybe a couple more than than one, you know. How many kids y'all have? Carry the one. Eleven. Eleven children. Five of them still at home. All five at home are school age. So yes, it's been fun. It's a lot. Wait, Andy is killing me in these. No, I'm cracking up. What is this two percent thing? <laughs> I can't. I'm, I'm doing my best not to look at the comments. I'm, I'm like really trying not to look. He at was talking about Daniel's eyes. Like I can't. I'm all the time. I, I'm only saying so because you say his name. No, it was that two percent through me. Okay. <laughs> Okay, that's <laughs> milk, gas, phone, <laughs> Yeah, Me and Bo say she just said 11 kids. Yes, 11 if kids. you heard it correctly. Yes. They um, got a I'm whole traffic brunch going on, on over there. In the <laughs> what? I'm sorry, what you said? I said I'll drop my cash <laughs> in the comments. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Look, so another question that came out of the cab. This was um from Asanya. Mm-hmm. She wanted to know. Were y'all, Lynette, were you already public when you met Daniel? Um, kind of, sort of. Not when she met me. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah not when, okay. So yeah. there's a little backstory. Yeah. Okay. So we, we were actually friends for five years. We were so close friends that we called each other brother and sister, and we called each other kids, nieces, and nephews. Okay. Yeah. That's how close our friendship was. It wasn't the stereotypical way, though. No, it wasn't like... It was legit. It wasn't like, this my brother that I sneak over something. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> He was like my babysitter when I went on dates. I was his babysitter. when, he, like It was like that deep friendship. Like We were really, really, really close um, friends for five years. So it's funny because I actually was diagnosed um, the month before, the month after we met. Technically, before the month before we met in October and then November of 08 is when I was diagnosed. Um, I didn't tell Daniel though until 2012. Uh, don't shake your head because I can shake my head too. So, (laughs) (laughs) we'll tell the story in 2012. He was dating some chick, right. And <laughs> during the AIDS walk here in Philly, what happened was he bought the girl and then he said something about, I don't know, was it engagement or something at that point? Yeah, you were engaged at the AIDS walk. Then all of a sudden he got married. I didn't take none of that stuff serious. I didn't think he was married. He was talking about my wife and I was thinking like wifey kind of thing. You know, um, I didn't take it serious until he was talking about the divorce. I was like, oh, that was a real marriage. That was like three months later. See, so you shouldn't have got married in the first place because some girl that I didn't get up. So, anyway, yeah. after the AIDS walk in 2012 that he bought the girl to, um, <laughs> I was during actually during the AIDS walk, I was interviewed by somebody uh, with the went by a reporter with the Philadelphia Inquirer. Sweating. <laughs> <laughs> and afterward, the next day that uh, 
the interview was released on like philly.com and in the newspaper and the philadelphia inquirer so that was like my opportunity i took that chance um to email the link or text the link to several people so daniel was one of them i just sent him the link i said here read this that was the easiest way for me to disclose at the time read this and that was how the schools, but that was actually, um, what it was about six months before we actually started dating. That was, that was October, 2012. So it was longer than that. October, 2012. And then June of 2013 is actually when we, when we, we didn't even start dating. I don't even know what you call it. I told him we go together and that was that. Yeah. No, no, no dating period. It was, uh, we went to Vegas. What happened in Vegas did not stay in Vegas. And then we was just together. And, and then was, six months later, we got married. That was, that was Y'all it. lost me at all the numbers. I'm over here trying to carry the one, 2008, 11, and 13. Got you. There you go. See? You got it. <laughs> got it. <laughs> 11 kids. Met in 08. I know. 11 kids somewhere between, you know, 08 and now. Over <laughs> <was> 2012. <laughs> Dated and started our relationship in 2013, married in 2014. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Like I loved it. I love the aspect of friendship that you all had. And I love the disclosure piece in that. Um I hated it. Left at me. Huh? I hated the disclosure piece. He didn't like the way I disclosed. I hated it. What else would you what else would you have wanted her to do? Is it because y'all already had this friendship? And she chose to disclose that way? Okay. Yes, yeah, she didn't tell me to my face. And and so I was somewhat educated on HIV at the time because earlier in 2012, I found out that my father was living with HIV. And so I went to the doctors with him and learned as much as I could that I needed to outside of insurance that my doctor, his doctor told me, you know, he's taking his medication, he's undetectable. He's good. And that, that was pretty much all I needed to hear because my dad was Superman anyway. So I I began to educate myself a little bit, but I still had some of the ignorant stigma that people still have. And, you know, oh, man, she done been around my kids and we use the same utensils and places, stupid stuff that I don't even understand how it's still a thing today. But at that point in time, I, I could understand the ignorance, you know, like they use the bathroom. Like she kissed my kids, like, oh man, like, and then she couldn't even tell me to my face. I felt some kind of way for real. I did. I did. I, and I, I had all of those emotions. You know, I was angry because she didn't tell me to my face. I was sad. I was upset. So I, I would compare it, you know, because of the love that I had for my best friend, I would compare the things that I've heard people say who were diagnosed with HIV, when they heard the type, the type of emotions that they felt, I would compare those emotions were the same, along the same lines that I felt. So I, I felt a lot of things. And I still feel it, you know, when she bring it up, like, man, they ain't even tell me to my face. You couldn't even tell me on the phone or text me a, a newspaper article. Well, look, since you've been around the community for so long now, do you kind of understand? Have you heard any other stories as, you know, why people wouldn't disclose and why maybe there is a big hurdle? Would you expect now knowing that, you know, for that response to have been any different from her? I, I get it. You know, I understand. But then knowing the fact that, you know, when she was first diagnosed, she brought her close friends and talked to them to their face. Like, hold up, like, I thought I was like your BFF and everything. Like she would text me and it would say Dan and it would have three exclamation marks, right? And I would automatically know, all right, she need me to babysit. Nothing else. I just knew. We were that close. You know, we finished each other's sentences close. (laughs) But it was it was different. So day one so the, what the story that he's talking about when you told when you said i brought all my close friends together to tell them, that was the day i was diagnosed you know so it was like i have no idea what to do with this um i came right home it was like i had a group of like four friends that i always hung out with and, and stuff like that so i know what else to do so i called them i said listen i need y'all to come over my house tonight we got to talk i don't know what to do with this information so it was just i just told them right then and there you know 
when I told Daniel, that was several years later, like after our friendship developed, but also after my stigma, my self stigma, you know, after I've disclosed and had some horrible experiences, you know, with, with guys, with women, with a bunch of people I've had, I had different experiences. So it was kind of like, I don't know what to expect. Like, yes, he's my friend. And actually at the time, I, I didn't know about your dad, right? When I disclosed to you. No. Yeah, so at the time, I didn't even know that piece of information. So for all I know, I'm about to tell this guy, you know, we're close friends. And from previous experience, it can go either way. And especially because in my head, he don't know nothing about HIV. So, you know, what would give him a real reason to stay other than our friendship? So this is the easiest way. Then that way, if he decides he don't ever want to talk to me again, he don't want to come over anymore. Yes, I'll have to deal with that, but I don't have to deal with it face to face because I've been there before too, where I had to tell somebody to their face and they walked out of my life. So, yeah. I was wondering the rejection piece because, you know, just thinking of being in a situation similar. Um, maybe she ain't tell you because that rejection piece, and I know we're not going back rehashing old stuff, but I could only imagine when I first got diagnosed, I was in a sexual relationship with a guy and <laughs> it became sexual that Friday and I got diagnosed on the Wednesday. And I did not know how to go back and address that situation. Like, do you keep, you know, dealing with this person? Do you stop talking to this person? Do you? It took me a while to come back. And I lived with that guilt <laughs> forever until I was able to come back and address it. And how it got addressed was... <laughs> I said, when the last time you've been tested for HIV? Unless he told me that his test results were negative, then I felt comfortable enough yep. to share. Look, I get even nervous thinking about it. Disclosure can be so difficult. Yeah. But I'm glad that y'all made it past disclosure. Yeah. And the same thing with you, like I did, like when I was first diagnosed, I had just started dealing with somebody sexually. Like I, we had a friendship and then it, we had just started having sex. I called him that same day too. Listen, you got to come over to work. I told him he walked out. So why would you want to like? Well, I don't want want everybody to just keep walking out of my life. So I'm not about to tell everybody, you know, I'm going to pick and choose. I mean, so now I'm I'm glad I'm in a place, like you said, with disclosure. I don't have to tell everybody. I don't have to tell anybody if I want to. You know, this is between me and my husband. And that's it. You know, anybody else? (laughs) <laughs> it really don't matter unless I'm dealing with you sexually. It really doesn't matter. And then even now, especially with you equals you, it get, it just gives people more of a choice, you know, um, around disclosure. Mm-hmm. And you know, depending on you where you live, though, because criminalization is still a that's thing. thing. And, that, and that, yeah, that's a that's a new that's something new that I started learning about. I want to say new, like within the past five years, because yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I got scared at the very beginning because I've never dealt with a man that was living with HIV. Um, have you, Lynette? No. Yeah. Uh, not that I know of. Yeah, that's, I mean, I that's mean, very well, important. That part, right? Well, that's I, mean, part. I had to at yes. some point. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be at least one, right? That part. One. <laughs> one. I don't know if he knew or not. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. So, and not um, dealing with people that are living with HIV. I I don't know what, I've never sought out, you know, just dating someone based off of their results from their HIV test, where I've seen some comments online before. It's like, why don't y'all just stick with each other? Like, why do you got to come out and like, you know, pollute the dating pool, basically? And that is so offensive. I hate it. I hate it. Like, First of all, my HIV isn't your HIV, isn't their HIV. Like, there's so there's different strands of HIV. Number one, and I know some people prefer to do that. You know, some people prefer to date someone who is living with HIV if they're living with HIV too. Personally, I didn't like. I never wanted to specifically seek out someone who was living with HIV. Like, I'm still trying to deal with my own mess. I gotta make sure I take my medicine every day. He gotta make sure I take my medicine every day. You know. <laughs> Things like that. I don't have time for me to make sure I'm taking my medicine. You to make sure you take your medicine. And we both try to make sure we undetected. Like, I, I just don't have time for that. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot mentally for me to know that the things that I do with my body, you know, me taking my medicine, me getting my lab work, me seeing my doctor, all of that, 
impacts my husband, impacts my family as a whole. So it's it, going back to what we said about pressure. It's a lot of pressure, but it's also gratifying to know that as long as I take care of myself, my husband is good. Absolutely. Um, I want to go back up to, okay, no, we can stay here. Sometimes you think it's best for both to be HIV positive, but in my own experience, it has been very complicated. That's from, um, that's from Maria. Yeah, I've heard stories. I've never, first, from my experience, it has been very hard to find a man, a heterosexual man who is living with HIV. Like that just was never in my pool of dating. So I just naturally always came across men who were not living with HIV. Mm -hmm. And it can be so hard sometimes, you know, even though you have all of this information, going back to Jonique's comment, sorry. Um, she just said that she just started dating someone and she still gets scared sometimes. That person still gets scared sometimes. Been in a situation like that before too, where the person who's not living with HIV, like it's okay in this moment, then you know we have sex and then they're not okay. So then I find myself doing this roller coaster of emotions with them because the only reason why you're not accepting me right now is because of HIV. Mm -hmm. And that can become so heavy a term like damaged goods or something like yeah. i'm good enough for these things but not like come on mm -hmm. um and i don't like when people circle back i don't i don't like it i, mm -hmm. I have the tendency of not entertaining those because yeah. I like oh i see you good now and years <laughs> later you're doing all these good things in hiv so you must be something must be all right what you, what you doing Nothing with you. Absolutely. <laughs> Hold up. Um, this, like this whole time. They've been circling back, trying to holler at you now. Wait, yo, that sounds like a different talk show. That's really a thing. It don't matter. Like, oh, okay. So, I mean, but I think that's like relationships in general, right? Uh -huh. Like, you know, okay. So, you, they stay with you this long. So, maybe, okay, let me holler at you now. Since I see you safe. Like, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> you had your right. chance to learn right along with me, but you didn't, you know, and thank God because I would have missed out on my blessings. So no. <laughs> it's actually been since I had the baby, somebody, I would guess that really convinced them that I was all right. <laughs> like, no, thank you. I'm good. Let's see. Andy, me being a heterosexual HIV positive black man. It took me a while to disclose my status to people publicly because I didn't see people like me. Yeah. Yes, I hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I thank you so much, Andy, for being, you know, one of those advocates who uses comedy to get the word around. And I'm, I'm grateful for it. But it so far and few in between, it seems like when I know that that can't be the case. I saw Bridget just commented that she knows a heterosexual black man who's positive, and he said he would have never disclosed to her had she not disclosed first. So I think that is something that is common, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Speaking of Bridget, she said, I got ghosted by a dude, good riddance, <laughs> because he was worried about what people would think about him being with an HIV positive woman. Um, we've already discussed it. Has Daniel faced that and how did he handle it? What did you do when um, ladies came up to you while Lynette was up in the front and they wanted to get your number? What is your response in a situation like that? I'm good. That, I mean, it's as simple as I, I'm good. Like, I, 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 I try you know, depending on the room, I haven't always very saved. My mouth hasn't always been, uh, let's say Lynette taught me and trained me how to be not as blunt as I've always been. So, you know, I, I, I would, if I wasn't with her, it would have probably been some crazy things that came out of my mouth. Like, yo, you tripping. But I mean, you know what? Overall, I'm good. Like, like, yo, don't disrespect my wife, for one, because I don't want to have to tell her. <laughs> she ain't going to be mad. She's she nice and sweet. But, you know, I don't want me to get mad. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it, like, like, for real, it's, it's disrespectful. Like, I'm good. Like, 
HIV is not a real thing in my mentality, in my mind, you know, outside of the fact that we're advocates and we speak about it and she takes one pill a day, but outside of that, in our regular everyday life is not a part of our lives. Like Lynette is a dope woman, period. So HIV has absolutely nothing to do with that. I married a dope woman, period. And Period. Like, you can kiss my butt for real. Sounds like a t-shirt. I know. I know. I'm just saying it in my <laughs> Sounds like a t-shirt. I'm just saying. Entrepreneurs, I tell you, I'm ready to make a cup and everything. <laughs> period. Why? When made you go public with Lynette? He kind of ain't had no choice but to go public with me because he made me go public, really. Um... <laughs> So that kind of it was part. Oh, that kind of goes back to the question I think you asked before, and we kind of went on the tangent about how we met and everything. Um, so I wasn't necessarily public per se. I think 2012 was actually my first speaking engagement. So also at the AIDS walk in 2012, which was actually the second year she asked me, but it was there's a woman um, who used to host an event called uh, Beyond Breaking the Barriers. Breaking the Barriers. There you go. And, and here, well, in Philadelphia, and um, she asked me in 2011, and I said, no, I'm not speaking. Then she asked in 2012, and I was like, okay, I'll speak. And I came, and I spoke. I didn't really tell many people, but I shared my story in front of a room full of a bunch of people, and the support that I got was so super amazing. But I still was like, eh, okay, that was good. That was nice. It was cute. Don't think that's going to be something like... It was, ne- it was never in my mind to now be in this place 10 years later, still speaking about HIV. You know, that was just something I did for my friend. Um, so it wasn't until Daniel, like, showed how supportive he was with my journey and him coming to all my doctor's appointments to learn all that he could. And it wasn't until that where it was like, and he's like, go ahead, start your nonprofit. Go ahead, write your book. You know, when previous experiences was either... No, if we together, you can't be speaking, you can't be writing a book, you can't post about it, you can't do none of that stuff, or the other way around. Sure, you can do all of those things, write the book, do the ball, do all of the things, but just don't tell anybody that we're in a relationship. So I wasn't used to being in a relationship with someone and having them push me to do the things that I was called to do. So, you know, once I started speaking, it was kind of a given for Daniel to just, he would either be there with me speaking to or he would definitely be there. He would always be there, but be there just to support me if it was just me speaking. So it's it's been it's been amazing, you know, to be able to speak openly and speak freely and not have to worry about, oh, was he feeling some kind of way or, you know. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. These don't eyes. Look, I know, don't look too hard. <laughs> <laughs> don't let them hypnotize you now. I think this will happen with me. sitting over here with all these kids. <laughs> Be listen, but listen, listen. The, the going public part had absolutely nothing to do with HIV for me. It was more along the lines of our relationship that we had and the interactions that we had with other people about us. Because her mom was like, "Why y'all not together?" My mom was like, "Why y'all not together?" Friends was like, "Why y'all not?" Like, that's my sister. What you mean? Why are we not together? Mm-hmm. No, and so. The previous of that's my brother, that's my sister, to <laughs> be together now. It was just like, hold up, what? Like, so y'all been doing this the whole time and and still get, catch some of that backlash, you know, yeah. from people thinking and believing that we were messing with each other prior to the time when we started messing with each other. But yeah, that was more along the lines of going public for me, like, yo, everybody. Oh man, her inbox was popping. Her inbox was popping when she posted that picture. Like we together. Like, oh what? Because it was like <laughs> it was like three days after I posted a picture saying, "No, y'all, this is my brother. Stop asking me if we're together." And we were on our way to Vegas, and then we came back to Vegas. It was like, "This is my boo." <laughs> <laughs> I know I had said that we're not together, but now we are. Like, what in the world happened to Vegas? <laughs> it stayed there. Yeah, no, it didn't. But when Nona's saying she know a few positive men who only seek and tell women who are positive, 
well, I know that there are probably some women out there looking for them <laughs> because I know that in my own experience that I rarely met any. I'm so grateful for y'all. Daniel, stop looking at the camera because apparently your Let's eyes see. is the issue. Yo. Like my eyes are <laughs> Between my eyes and Andy, I, I'm just going to look right here. <laughs> look, but I do want to go back to what you said because it's still kind of piercing me. Um, you know that those ignorant things that you were feeling at the beginning about like her being around your kids and kissing your kids. What made you finally get over that part? And like okay, no, no, no. Sorry, hold on. I gotta add more to that because okay. clearly we've gotten past me being a threat to your children, and we've been able to enter into a consummated marriage, right? All right. So yeah. how do we, do we go from <laughs> this to this? It, it was truly just in that moment, like entirely in that moment, and you know when people are angry, their thoughts, their actions don't always align with their natural reality of how they act and, and how they operate. So it was more so just in that moment because I lived with my dad. Literally, I lived with my dad and I found out earlier in the year and none of those thoughts crossed my mind. But in the fact of me being angry because she ain't tell me to my face, it just every stupid thing just started going through my mind. But I never really felt that, especially because when I was younger, my older cousin passed away from complications due to HIV and AIDS. So it's always been a part of my life and I've always seen it. But it was it was mostly just that angry moment. I I I cause cause she was in her feelings because I had married that chick. I was in my feelings. <laughs> That's why I only lasted three months because I didn't know her. She told me about her. And that was his fault. He should have saved his money. <laughs> I think it is so important. <laughs> Y'all crazy. It is so important for, you know, for the person that is not living with HIV to hear your story is so valuable, Daniel, because, you know, a lot of times it's us that are living with HIV out here doing the work, doing the work. But to hear from someone who is married to and his kids by, you know, someone who is living with HIV and for you to be negative and to get out and speak, that is powerful. And I realized the power of your story. I actually met Daniel first because we were both out speaking. I was speaking as a woman, a mother living with HIV. And he was speaking as a person that was married to someone living with HIV. So we did a couple presentations at Temple. And then I came across Lynette. That was that was phenomenal. And I love I've always admired though, you know, the support because I heard that the last time Lynette was speaking, acceptance and support that you had received from Daniel. I think that can be life changing for anyone in any situation. So yes, thank you. Um let's see. I want to go back up to Brenda's comment. She says that she's been married for 16 years and her husband is positive but because of stigma he will not speak out so you got to know that this is a lot of people will perceive it as being brave you know and something needs to be commended so so grateful to be able to pick y'all's brains when today um let's see we talked about you equals you we uh, um, let's go to this comment Can i was talking a question Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I know we talked about my children and, and kids and stuff. Um, how do you, like, how do you deal with stigma when it comes to being a woman living with HIV and having a baby? You know, because I know that's a whole, I know that's a whole, like, it's integrated in serial discordant relationships too, but. Well, that is such a sore spot right now. <laughs> Because it's not the stigma that I'm receiving from those that are around me. I'm actually on, you know, my second child since being diagnosed and it's the internal stigma. And then the added factor of breastfeeding this time has definitely like hyped it up. And I'm also living with HSV. So this makes me want to cry. I'm not going to do it though. I'm a J. Um, you know, the ignorance that I can think of that could brew on the internet 
thinking of taking pictures and posting them of me kissing my daughter has really been something that has been um has been in a way real quick and really affected me mentally. Although I know that, you know, I'm not going to transmit either one of my viruses to her. It still is that stigma and the perceived stigma because it hasn't happened to me. It could all be in my head, but because I know that that is a pos possibility, it has been very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I, we we definitely had, so our, our youngest one is, um, he's six. And he's the one that we've had since my diagnosis. And um, I remember, you know, some of the questions like, well, why would y'all put your baby at risk? Why would you, you know, why would y'all do that? Well, and then even more, it kind of ramped up the whole, well, why would you put your husband at risk? Why would you do that with her? And, you know, so I, I remember that being a really sore spot and, and it kind of fostered the relationship, like it formed a way I am with my child, you know, with my six-year-old. It's different than how it was before, you know, with the rest of my children because, like, I held on to him. I wanted to protect him more because I don't want anybody to say anything to him or say anything around him that would be offensive. So, yeah, I know that. I know it's a sore spot for you because it's a sore spot for me, and it's six years old, you know. So, and I know your baby is younger, so I was just wondering how that perspective, like, has that changed at all um, over time, so that's rough and then you know with raising kids who are negative um you know trying to teach zion he's 11 now i know at one point just trying to introduce the concept of hiv to him like it's nothing in our household like we could talk about it but now we ride down the street and he wants to yell out <laughs> my mom got hiv <laughs> he's proud of his mom so i get it <laughs> You know, I think what I appreciate the most is that the things that I thought would be taken away from me when I got diagnosed have proven to not been taken away from me. So I've been able to have all of the experiences that I could have ever wished or imagined while living with HIV. And parenting is one of those things. HIV in each instance just seems to add an extra layer of something that you got to do you know, on whatever level and whatever capacity that you have to deal with. I, I'm grateful to see that we are out here, you know, surviving, thriving, you know, in these relationships that are filled with love and HIV is something that we deal with, but it doesn't, it's not the entire relationship. If Daniel, if you had looked at her status and, you know, passed her by, you would have missed out on that dope woman. And I know that you recognize it. So, oh, yeah, so we got together, so I already knew. Right? Oh, uh, yeah, y'all was brothers and sisters. We weren't blood brothers and sisters, okay, you guys? Like, we have separate mom and dad. <laughs> we grew up in the same house. <laughs> Yeah, we do that in our culture a little bit sometimes. Mm -hmm. yep. Um, so speaking of y'all's different moms, I know y'all got different moms. I have seen it with my own eyes. And I want to go back to your event that you do um beyond my diagnosis. And it was a very powerful moment when <sighs> Daniel's mom got up and spoke and she gave that perspective of the parent of the negative or the person not living with HIV who is in a relationship now and having a baby by someone who is living with HIV. Like to hear her perspective was, yo, I never thought about that. I think it's so easy as the person living with HIV to just be in my own little, you know, bubble, my own little box thinking it only affects me and not quite thinking how much it affects those around us. Daniel, I wanna hear a little bit of that from you. How your mama felt? How did your mama feel? We're going to talk like we be on the call. Go ahead. How, How she felt. <laughs> Listen, I, I can't keep up, quite honestly, you know, because I've been known, like I said, I, I had the rebellious personality in nature. So anything that was in the flow of stuff, I didn't have any issue going against it. So 
I never really thought deeply about it. But my mom's perspective, she was just a mom, just just a mom, just worried about her son. Even don't matter how educated you are, you know, what's your relationship? Because she loved Lynette even prior, because that was my homie. And he, like I said, she even still, like even before she would ask me, why aren't y'all together? And HIV would come up in those conversations, but it wasn't, that was like a reason not. It was just, we just wasn't. And it wasn't as far as that being a reason, but it was like, is it HIV? Like, is it that the reason? Like, no, just, we just not. So when we became one, it was more so like, well, yeah, you with the right woman. Like, like I'm, I'm Lynette's husband and my own family now. I'm not even Daniel. They forgot my name. I'm just Lynette's husband. <laughs> they totally say Lynette and her husband are here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so needless to say, she's okay with it now, but in the, in the process, it's just that natural nurturing. Like you just talked about y'all experiences as being mothers in general, you know, just that nurturing mentality and just wanting your, your child to be safe. And our poor six-year-old baby is, is spoiled rotten because of that. And I, I'm, I, I was a mama's boy, you know? <laughs> I believe you. I was a daddy's boy too. So I was like the, the, the both, the best of both worlds. You know, I, I was my dad's baby. So I, I was spoiled senseless and I'm still kind of spoiled. I get my way. I believe it too. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it too. Well, uh, um, so, so Daniel's mom and I had a conversation behind this too, because I was interested in her perspective, like just a little deeper one-on-one. -on -one. And, um, you know, she did, she said in the beginning, yeah, I was I was completely okay with you two being together, and then those feelings started creeping in. You know, like I, I was wondering like about sex, but I can't really ask those kind of questions. I was wondering, you know, when you got pregnant, yeah, I was worried, I was concerned, you know. But we we definitely had had that one on one conversation, and we have such a great relationship. Like I can call her if y'all hear those noises in the background. My two cats are fighting. It's perfectly. Okay. I thought those was the kids. It's my, it's my cats. <laughs> Other kids, my, the rest of my kids, um, they're like literally right behind the computer. So if y'all see the laptop, like tilting over their head, um, but yeah, so Kennedy to the rescue, she's grabbing a cat, okay. Um, yeah, so you know, we had that, we had those conversations, and like I said, we have a great relationship, so I never have any concern about her feeling some kind of weight toward me or anything, but. Like Daniel said, they were just general mom concerns, you know, in a different in a different way. And I think that made our relationship a lot better as well, just being able to have those open conversations with her about how she felt. So I never ever ever thought about that. Like thank y'all for that perspective as well. I was going to go back to um oh, someone asked about saving the lie. The, this live and all of our other Girl Like Me lives are available on YouTube. So please like, comment, subscribe, do all of that good stuff. The Well Project's YouTube. And it will live also in our videos on Facebook because this is such an important topic. Do y'all get invited to speak often on this? Like, is it as popular to you as it comes off to me, this topic here? I don't think it's popular enough. Um, we get invited to speak uh, together. We get invited to speak individually, more so individually. Like they'll reach out to me more often, but most of the time Daniel will be there. So I'll bring the topic up anyway. You know, I'll always make it a point to talk about not just the fact that I'm married, but I'm married to someone who's HIV negative, which always opens up a whole nother door of questions. So, you know, I, I don't think it's talked about enough because I just think that people don't realize it's a thing. You know, like you said earlier, I just feel like people think that once you're HIV positive, you're going to live, you know, y'all two HIV positive people just live together, you know, and, and it's just an automatic assumption. So, yeah, we would love to speak more, especially um, regarding this topic, you know, and even I know somebody mentioned, I, I can't remember who it was, but they t uh, mentioned um, that they just disclosed to their son, I believe that's 13, who's 13 years old. Mm -hmm. That's even a different, you know, a whole different topic. Disclosure with specifically your kids 
or living publicly with HIV and, and how do your children take it? Like that's a whole nother discussion, um, you know, so yeah. And we have done a whole um, A Girl Like Me live on it too. That was a very, uh, a great deep dive with two other women who are living with HIV about disclosing to your children because they can be so, so difficult. Oh my gosh. Um, I think that we are coming to the end. Is there anything else like, I wanna know, what would you tell a person who is not living with HIV? What would you tell them if they were offered the opportunity to begin dating someone who was living with it? What's your advice? Take HIV out of the equation and evaluate the whole person. It's, it's really that simple because even without HIV, we all got stuff. Daniel might not have HIV, but he's crazy. So you know, I got to deal, deal with that part. So everybody asking me how I deal with that. So that's, that's my advice. Look at the whole person because you know <laughs> but yeah seriously like hiv or not we have to always look at the whole person yeah i i would i would say along those lines as well know yourself know yourself and it, it doesn't even have anything to do with hiv but you know lynette's event beyond my diagnosis beyond any diagnosis like if you're getting into a relationship with anyone that has any kind of diagnosis, know yourself well enough to know if you can deal with that or not. And if you can't, don't do it. I mean, yeah. it's pretty simple. If, if you know you can't deal with the thought of different things that people are dealing with and having to actually be there for that person, don't do it. Yeah. Just don't do it. And that's good because that, that just made me think like it's not even always about stigma. You know, if there, I remember um, someone walking walking out of a relationship with me because they said listen i just don't understand and i don't know if i'm really ready for the education yet i can appreciate that you know if you're not ready to be educated if you're not if you feel you're not educated enough to be in a relationship i can appreciate that of course in that moment it sucked but now being who i am now i can definitely appreciate that don't stay in this relationship and stigmatize me and stop me from speaking out so yeah Yes. Oh, I loved it. I loved everything about this one here. This was great. It's so inspiring, you know, so for that sister out there who feels like, you know, she'll never find anybody. Absolutely. You can and you will. So that person that is not living with HIV, um, yo, you got proof right here. Like there are so many tools and resources and community members who have stories to share that could possibly help you in that situation. I'm so grateful for this and thank y'all. Before we get off, I want to go ahead and remind everyone of our The Well Project survey. It is still open, it's open until Friday. You do not have to be living with HIV to complete it. Just be using The Well Project's um, resources. So here's the link there and I will put it up here. So the bit.ly is there in the, min the middle, the Well Project survey. And if y'all could so graciously fill that out for us, I would be greatly, greatly pleased. Um, that's all that is ending our 16th episode of A Girl Like Me Live. Thank you for joining us again. We'll, we're joining once monthly now. It's no longer every two weeks. So join us on our next episode. And we cannot wait to see you all then. Thank y'all and bye.